And when I graduated, I had a realisation that I'd actually just done something for me, despite and in spite of what was happening to me. It was my proudest moment. And in that kind of realisation was the acknowledgement that I wasn't going to survive my life just for somebody to tear me down. And I was actually going to now live my life for me and about me. Midlife ladies. This is the Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. Today's guest, Helen Ferguson, she likens ourself to those little Russian nesting dolls that we all used to love. The ones that were so just ornately crafted and painted, those wooden doll figurines that were shaped like the hourglass. You remember what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so th- those where you would separate the bottom of the doll from the top and then inside of that doll. There's another doll that Mm -hmm. looks similar to the doll you just opened, but it was smaller. And inside of that doll, there was another doll that you could then separate and inside of that doll and so on and so on and so on. Yes. So on. Yes. So on and so on until the tiniest little baby inside, right? Cute baby doll. So cute little baby. And you know, just like the Russian nesting dolls, the world has an outside perspective of who we are. But on the inside, there are so many unique layers Mm -hmm. that lay beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. Helen, she's a trauma psychotherapist who specializes in guiding women on this healing journey from childhood trauma through PTSD, sexual abuse, all of the things that so many Mm -hmm. of us beautiful women out there have experienced. And for the past 23 years, she has been sharing her knowledge, her skills, her expertise with women to guide them to liberation, to the freedom that we so desperately have been seeking from the pain of that trauma to a life where we are no longer defined by that trauma. And we can begin to live life as the confident, calm, courageous, vibrant, kick ass, amazing women that we can all be. Hell yes. I love that. Yes. Yes. And in this episode, she teaches us that healing is a journey, girl. It is not a destination. And she embodies that healing journey for herself after she experienced three consecutive abusive relationships, Hmm. uh, which I can relate to. I think Mm -hmm. we all can in some respect. And she shares the thriving woman that she is today within every therapeutic relationship that she has with women to create Mm -hmm. the space of safety and security for others in their healing journey. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's within that therapeutic relationship that she has, that she guides women to that relationship with themselves. So she's providing really an empathic mirror for how they can define the relationship with themselves differently. And she's offering up herself almost like the martyr, right? Where, where mm. she's an example of how they can be healed through playfulness with our inner child, through acceptance of every single person part of ourselves Mm. through curiosity, through exploration of what could be. And by providing empathy for ourselves and to ourselves, which is all Mm. underpinned by self-compassion, something we do not give ourselves enough of every single day. And through this, this is where we then begin to become liberated from the wounds that we've been carrying so that 
ladies, we can become who we are, the true core self. Yes. Yes. I love this idea of self-compassion. And all I can think about is how I give compassion away every single day Mm. to everyone else except myself. Yeah. And so listener out there, this episode is for you. This episode is so rich. We can't wait to share it with you. Please listen and subscribe and leave us a review. Tell us what you'll do this week to show yourself a little compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We value your support. And now ladies, we welcome to the show, Helen Ferguson. We are so excited to have you here, Helen, and hear your story. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's fantastic to be here. I've I'm I've been looking forward to this for for, for quite a while now. So I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> yes, yeah, and you know we were sort of talking a little bit before the podcast about how you are helping women heal their childhood traumas. So I would like to know a little bit about the impact of childhood trauma and how that tends to play itself out in our adult lives. How is it manifested? Well, it's, it's quite an, it's, it's always an interesting one because you kind of see so much on, on social media, lots of little sound bites, lots of, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of pop psychology kind of goes on out there. And what I'd say is that, you know, childhood trauma, you know, and the experience that you have childhood trauma and its impact is, is on you emotionally, psychologically, physiologically, it's not just on your emotions. It's it's mm. a, it has a physical impact. It sits in you at a cellular level, um, mm. because of course in childhood, you know, you are you are developing. You are you are developing an emotional blueprint. You're developing a social blueprint. You're developing a relationship, an attachment blueprint. So, when there are experiences, traumatic experiences that you have in childhood, they then impact on all of that blueprint all of that you think of it like you know a blueprint when you when you're just when you're designing a build for a house right yeah well that you know when your blueprint is kind of safe and it's and it's secure and all and your emotional needs are met what happens is that you know you are able to then build your your house your safe house yourself Mm -hmm. from that from that blueprint but when that blueprint is impacted upon by very, very difficult and challenging experiences, emotional needs not met, sexual abuse, um, psychological neglect, then of course that blueprint is disrupted. It becomes corrupted. It doesn't mean that it can't be repaired, but it becomes right. corrupted. And so that house that you're then trying to build, this internal safe house, which is yourself, that you're trying to build, that that you're trying to kind of live in and with and then manage the world around you, becomes dysregulated, becomes imbalanced, it it, it becomes distorted. And so your view then of yourself and the world becomes distorted Uh and and so what happens is then you know if those if those adverse experiences kind of continue and they're chronic and and you then then what happens is of course you take them into your adulthood and and unbeknownst to you actually sometimes that that's not the way that you need to be living and surviving your life because that is survival it's not living and so what how you when you when you're into adulthood and you're trying to you're trying to establish relationships you're trying to establish boundaries you're trying to establish um a, your your relationship with yourself you find that it's then impacted upon by low self-worth blame shame low self-esteem um at a physical level you're you know you're lethargic you're you you often might find yourself having illnesses unexplained yeah. illnesses, chronic illnesses you know things like chronic fatigue syndrome irritable bowel yeah. syndrome um and and you could well be then diagnosed with mental health problems like depression yeah. like that so so it has this kind of global effect on you which sometimes you don't know is that is different to the way other people 
are managing to live their lives right until you're then alongside people say in an entrepreneurial space or a business space where you can see other people kind of getting on with things and you're there you're there thinking why aren't I able to do that you know Mm -hmm. so a lot of the women that come to me they know that something's happened but they don't know exactly how it's affected them they just know that something's not right that there's a disconnect between them and themselves and so they don't know who they are. They kind of feel very lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'm curious about. So, you know, you you have these experiences as a child and it has framed your blueprint. And as you grow and mature and age, you're building your life, you're building the foundation, you're putting up walls and scaffolding and your roof and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, hey, I need to go back and do some work right on my blueprint do you actually need to deconstruct the things that you have built in your life or is it a is this a type of a case where you can just go down to the foundation and have that shorn up without having to deconstruct your entire life you don't have to deconstruct your t- entire life. It is, it's one of the main questions that people ask me is, you know, Helen, are you going to take me back to that point in time and make, and, and, and make, A, make me relive it, but also, right. kind of, you know, re- restart from there. And I say no, because the, because actually the repair happens from now. Mm. The repair happens from the moment at which you recognize that something isn't right for you and you mm-hmm. want to start affecting change. And so it's not a deconstruction, it's a rewire. Hmm. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a rewiring of all, all the things that, have, that you're feeling, you're experiencing now, and rewiring them so that they, they don't then continue in that way and you are able to rewire them to a, to a point where you feel safe with your responses mm-hmm. and your reactions to, to situations and your responses to your response to yourself. Yeah. Right. So it's okay. not a deconstruct, it's a rewire. It's always yeah. it's always good to look at it in that way because there is nobody wants to feel like they're going to be deconstructed. That's like Right. <laughs> right. Like, no, that's like that's, yeah, that's like, a lot of layers. <laughs> that's like scary therapy. No, that's, right. We don't do scary therapy. Um it's a, it's a rewire. It's understanding the layers to yourself and uh, you know, I, I'm going to, I use these a lot. These are my little Russian dolls. Okay. Oh, I love those. Oh, so, pretty. so yeah, you might be going along with your, in your life thinking that this, this is it. This right. Is your, this is your structure. This is the only way that you can be. And there's things that are inside that are, you know, the, or the way that you're living your life is, you know, or the way that you're trying to survive is filled with anxiety or self-doubt. So this isn't kind of the true shell of you. Um, mm. But then what you have, of course, is the other layers that are underneath. Right. And what we do in the rewire is we get to understand all the layers that are underneath. And we get to be able to to bring safety to those other layers and say, and say, actually, I don't need to, you know, my, my self-worth doesn't need to be rock bottom. I'm right. not responsible for what happened to me. You shift the shame into self-compassion, into kindness, and you, and then that's that's in, if anything, that's where the kind of deconstruction is: is shifting from that shame into something else. Mm. Because the what is what is underpinning of all childhood trauma is is shame. Mm, interesting. It's the, it's the blame, and then that leads into mm. the shame. Yeah, yeah, I like this idea of rewiring. And honestly, what you're saying really resonates with me. I was um, in a long-term relationship and I, in that relationship did not realize that, yeah, I, I wasn't living a normal, healthy life. I had been a little bit manipulated in that relationship to believe that the life that we were living was in fact healthy and normal. All couples fight, you know, there were things that were said that I bought into. And now in hindsight, I, you know, it took me a long time to come to reconcile in my own mind that this was not normal and healthy and that I needed to leave that relationship. And then the rewiring needs to happen. And it's so funny because something that I read in preparation for interviewing you, 
is that you thought you had healed, but then you realized you weren't treating yourself with compassion. And so I have felt very much the same way. I've, you know, come out of this relationship now nearly seven years. I feel strong. I feel healthy. And then as we were diving into some of these podcast interviews, I started to uncover some of these, (laughs) I think, deep-rooted feelings where I've just suddenly started to have this very bizarre (laughs) realization that I wasn't healed. And it's a very interesting place to be. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm left grasping for what do I do now? And how do I, how do I get to this place where I'm actually truly healed and know when I get there? And and so how do we rewire our brain and how do we know when we're healed? (laughs) I want you to think about healing as a journey, not a destination. Mm. Because there will always be things in your life that kind of Mm. take you back to that pattern of survival, that anxiety, low self-worth, but you're able to manage it differently. So, you know, it was, it it was interesting. It's interesting you kind of bring this point up because as you know, before we came on live, but I did an email. Um, I have a regular Monday email and I sent, I sent my email out and it was one that was about my story. My what's, you know, what's, Mm. so it was one of inspiration that, that from my late teens into my early twenties, kind of 23, 24, I was in three abusive relationships, one after the other, a real deconstruction of my self-worth. I was a child that was kind of, you know, I was a bit sassy. I was self-assured. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was quirky. I was, I was imaginative. I was creative. I mm. was described as argumentative, but I was actually just really intelligent. And my dad just liked to spark me off into conversation because it would, it was like an ignite me, you know? Um, and then these three relationships, one after the other, made her disappear. Mm. And, and I, and I lost her. And then what took over was, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not Mm. pretty enough. I'm not successful enough. You know, all of the things that, that happen, all of the things that we can say to ourselves when those, when those relationships are happening. And, and the last, the, the the last of the three relationships was, was the one that was the most abusive if you can kind of put them on right. a it was the most abusive but it was also the time that I was at university um doing my first degree and goodness only knows how I got through <laughs> that university. really right. seriously I can't imagine I, just, I, I I don't know what got me through but I just remember me kind of sitting on the periphery of the cohort you know I wasn't I wasn't in with the crowd I was right. kind of separate from them and I kind of I felt like I was having to hide me mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. was happening to me and all those kind of things so I was showing up getting through surviving you know you can put those words actually to any of the women that I'm working with right. now right the age that they are and when I graduated I was walking home it was like a four miles so six kilometer walk home and I was walking home and it was a slow walk and I had a realization that I'd actually just done something for me, hmm. that I'd achieved something for me despite and in spite of what was happening to me. And it was my, it was my proudest moment hmm. to be able to be walking home and think that. And, and in that kind of realization, in that recognition that I'd done something for me was the acknowledgement that I wasn't going to survive my life just for somebody to tear me down. Yes. And I was actually going to now live my life for me and about me. And so, you know, obviously there were lots of things that I needed to do, change locks, kick someone out, you know, get (laughs) get people involved, you know. Um, So I thought, I, I thought that's it. Right, I'm done. Gosh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm on my own now. I've achieved yeah, it. Yeah, phew. Keep, keep, you know, no longer with them. I'm not yeah. letting them do that to me. And that's what I thought healing was. Mm-hmm. Check the box. I've done that. I'm now on my own. I'm safe, you know, physically safe. Mm-hmm. Um, right, that's it. Helen, bravo, you've healed. You've recovered. Well done. Right, <laughs> right. And, but um, there are levels to this there game. Are levels. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say it's a journey, not a destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I then went into kind of work and I never knew that I was going to be a therapist. I, I originally graduated right. 
graduated as a psychiatric nurse and it was a it was um somebody it was a psychotherapist who was supervising me um on some of my cases in that in that uh, I worked with children at that point and and she said you need to become a therapist mm. <laughs> and I was like oh really you know <laughs> so, <laughs> okay then um and I thought about it long and hard and and you know and I and I, I went on that journey and I and I thought oh good, right all this success that I'm achieving all of these things that I'm doing oh that's healing I'm healed you know and success doesn't mean healing yeah that just means you're successful <laughs> right yeah. And I think we do inextricably bond the two of those together. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. Yes. And I think sometimes the success is a mask is a for mask. the wounds that you're hiding yeah. in yeah. all those layers. And I remember, you know, because it took a while for me to to decide to be in a relationship again. And my husband was incredibly patient. Um, and And I remember kind of, you know, thinking, you know, Helen, you've, you've done, you know, you've healed yourself and blah 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 and and the one thing that I hadn't actually done for me was actually bring self-compassion into mm. into the relationship with me I was giving it out to everyone I'm known as I'm known as the compassion queen you know uh, <laughs> right everybody feels it in the relationship with me everybody feels it in the therapeutic relationship with me and and I wasn't I was giving it all out to everyone but but not giving it to me. And and it took it took burnout actually to help me recognize that that it was the missing piece. Was that, there was nothing, you know, there was no acceptance, there was no healing unless I was going to actually turn this compassion towards me. Because right. I was, because, you know, it doesn't matter how successful you are, you're not healing in that success. You know? And I think we have a skewed perception of what self-compassion is and what does that look like? How does it show up in our day-to-day lives? I think we can think of the big things. Oh, I'm, I'm in therapy or I'm going to go on, you know, this retreat or go into some rehab. That's my self-compassion, but there are day-to-day, I think, self-compassion markers. What, what would you say that would look like? Well, I mean, it's very important to understand self-compassion in its in it in its entire you know in its in its separateness from self-care from mm-hmm. self. You know, you often hear people kind of connecting the two. They are a part of that. They are a part of self-compassion, but they don't make up self-compassion. Self-compassion is is that you know from a very simple kind of perspective, a very holistic understanding and awareness and acceptance of who you are and all parts of you whether you like those parts or not you know mm-hmm. so it's coming to an acceptance of yourself that's non-judgmental mm-hmm. that that isn't going to pick yourself apart because there'll be other people that try to do that you know um so when you think about self-compassion always think about it in the sense that you know, it's bringing kindness to yourself. It's being able to be present with yourself and all parts of you, whether you feel that you like all of those parts or not, or, you know, but come being able to be present with yourself and all those parts of you without judgment, yes, without, without a condition, you know, um, without a condition that you will, you will, you will like yourself if you lost four stone, hmm. you will like right. yourself if somebody um if somebody joins your next one to one yeah you will mm-hmm. like yourself if somebody buys your course you will like yourself you'll sit with yourself um and like yourself when when your when your face is a bit more symmetrical you know mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. you always put conditions to things so self compassion is the ability to be present with yourself with oh. acceptance and curiosity and without judgment I love this. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've uh, I've always been very conditional with myself from the silliest of the smallest things like you will earn a bathroom break trinity as soon as you are done typing <laughs> these 12 emails. You know, yeah. stuff that doesn't even make any sense. And I think one of the biggest <laughs> ones for me was was this this um idea of my physical health and exercise and 
I always somewhere back here was like, you know, I'll start an exercise plan once I, you know, fill in the blank. And it was often something work related. Once I have enough time in my work schedule or I've trained enough people to be able to do the things that I'm doing that I don't have to worry about this. And and that has led to just years and years and years and years and years of me sitting with a laptop on my lap, not moving. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, within the last month, and I, one of my dearest girlfriends just somehow sparked me going and, and going, going to a fitness, a fitness gym and trying their program. And I went once and I've been going every week now for, I'm on my fourth week, which to many of you out there sounds like nothing to me. <laughs> it is a lifetime of exercise. And for me, I'm really feeling my self-compassion, um, spidey senses awakening mm -hmm. through this because I'm doing something for myself where I've lived in such a space of judgment mm -hmm. um, and condition yes. um, for the vast majority of my life. It's like I'm feeling these little mm -hmm things start to break away yeah. and um, almost feel like I'm understanding for the first time what self-compassion actually feels like. And for me, it's being modeled through this action. Because one of the things that, that we often think, and especially when there's, when there's been a kind when there's been a process or an experience, a traumatic experience that's, that's kind of underpinned it is that self-criticism is somehow really helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if I'm, you know, that it's somehow driving you forward in being successful or being as good as you can possibly be or being perfect. Um, perfectionism doesn't exist. Being perfect doesn't exist. It's yes. Fear in a fur coat. Um, that, you mm. know, so when you have self-compassion, when you, when you meet yourself with compassion, you shift out of thinking that the criticism is, is and the self-criticism rather is, is is making you better is making right. you a better person is going to make you be more successful make you be more be a better mom be a better wife be a better partner be a better business owner etc right and when you when you meet yourself with with compassion you accept your flaws <laughs> mm -hmm. you accept who you are you accept where you've been yeah and you accept that you are able to bring yourself forward in life and, and live life with forgiveness for yourself, with acceptance, with awareness, with kindness, and thinking with compassion. Absolutely. Yeah. And so here's the interesting question that I have, because when I'm sitting here listening to Trinity's story, in my own mind, I'm sort of thinking, well, why were you not exercising before? Is there something in the back of your head that's telling you I'm not worth it? I, I, you know, I don't know what's stopping you from doing the things that you know will serve you, will make you healthy, will serve your body. But mm -hmm. I think we as women, it's, it's very easy for us to get stuck Mm -hmm. And we don't even realize sort of the impact that maybe these inner voices and inner stories that we're telling ourselves are having us from doing the things that we need to do to, to show ourselves self-compassion. The other thing that is really standing out to me is something that you said, Helen, is that we as women tend to give away all of our compassion to mm -hmm. everybody else. So the question I have is, how do we get beyond those mental stories? Because in my head, there is some sort of mental story that's stopping us from doing all the things that we want to do, know we should do that are good for us. Mm -hmm. And how do we get beyond those stories? And how do we get to a place where we can be compassionate to ourselves? Because I think it's easier said than done, right? Oh, I oh, should oh, just oh, accept oh, all yeah. my flaws. 
Yeah. Oh, no. No, it's, that's it's a massive undertaking yeah it's easy said than done it's you know it's not you you don't just suddenly wake up the following day and go all right that's it I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah be I love myself yeah <laughs> love myself I do it's brilliant um no it doesn't it's it's actually the hardest piece I think for for people um in and out of therapy actually I know it within therapy, but the, the women are actually, and I do work with men occasionally and, and, and with the LBGTQ community and, and, and but, but it's, it's predominantly women I work with and, and they get really angry with me. Hmm. <laughs> Session two or three when I'm kind right. of, you know, helping them to, helping them to, to start shifting the understanding of self-criticism. So it's, the the first thing that you have to do when you start to begin the journey towards self-compassion is understand what's the story that you've been carrying around where's it come from whose voice is it what tone is it who what tone of voice is it and when there's been a traumatic history and 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 experiences is being aware that 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 story doesn't belong to you it's the story that's being created by somebody else, something else, mm. someone else. You didn't, you didn't come out of the womb thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough right. to right. do this. I'm not worthy enough to do this. You didn't come out of the womb thinking that. <laughs> that comes from things, experiences, relationships, etc., that happen to you. So the very first step is actually acknowledging what's the story, facing that, facing that story, looking at it head on, seeing it in all its rawness and being very aware of not necessarily how long it's been around, but how impactful it's been. So noticing and being aware, understanding. Once you have those three in place, noticing, awareness, understanding, you're in a much more empowered place to be able to start saying, I don't believe that story. Mm. I don't believe those words. And I can meet myself with, instead of, you know, I'm not worthy enough with, may I start to begin to feel worthy for me? And Mm. you shift the sentencing, you shift the, the, the words Mm. to kind of retrain your brain, your thoughts into into ones that are meeting however you're feeling with compassion rather than with the self-critical judgment and story that's actually not been yours to own yeah yeah so stop owning the story become Mm. aware of where that story's come from become aware of how become aware of the words and and meet your inner child in that too you know, respond to her, mm. <laughs> whoever's listening, uh, you know, respond to them. Because if you're speaking to yourself in these, in these harsh and sometimes incredibly, incredibly awful ways, you have to start thinking, well, would I, would I speak to a four-year-old in this way? Would right. I speak five-year-old in this way six seven eight because when you start asking yourself that then you start to gain an understanding that you're speaking to that part of you in that way mm. that four five six seven eight nine year old she's still in there i'm a guy right. you know both the wounded one and the playful child <laughs> the wounded one's there and she's listening and she's 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 the one then holding on to it but it's there's the other one listening the playful one who's also starting to think well you know yeah that's me so it's it's rewriting your narrative yeah it's a narrative that's not yours to own and that that's the that's the start of it so so it goes on you know yeah it goes on from there right it goes on from there because you have what what i do with women if i just kind of explain a bit of the foundational work yeah i would love that you know is is we do that piece of work and it's usually that first one or two three sessions because I give women homework as well which they're like you know oh <laughs> get more homework Helen with you than I did at university but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but you know that's when they get angry because I'm making them see how they've been carrying this 
Yeah. I mean, I'm inviting them to look at the, the, the ways in which they've been thinking about themselves. And then there's the, 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 the anger, which I always think, I always like to describe anger as the bodyguard for other emotions. It's the one that's, that's like, it's okay, I've got this, guys, I'm going in. Whereas the other emotions are actually really, you know, they're the ones in charge, you know, the sadness, the frustration, the disappointment. But anger goes, it's all right, guys, I've got this, because it's the one that's, you know, it's the one that's most prominent. Um, and so, you know, there then becomes this kind of anger. Well, I've been holding on to this. How, you know, this kind of, and then that anger is is shifted out away from themselves. Because often what women are carrying around when they haven't been meeting themselves with this, with this compassion is anger towards themselves that's about the blame that's about mm. the frustration the disappointment mm-hmm. of themselves, that they allowed something to happen when they yeah. you know all of those things so we then shift through that into bringing compassionate imagery you know once you you know i'm, I'm very much a, you know in terms of therapy we bring the unconscious to the conscious mm. and and compassionate imagery having a compassionate image that shifts and changes with whatever day but having a compassionate image that that you feel safe in and and lots of the women that I work with you know if I think of some of theirs you know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a person it was it was a sense of safety it was a sense of being held and that's what compassion is that's what self-compassion is you are holding yourself with with safety and and we then shift into kindness you know, how are you being kind to yourself? Well, you know, that can look that can look different for everybody. Um, and that's the personal choice. And then you're shifting into self-compassionate behavior and, and, and thinking. So you're then rewiring the mindset, rewiring the brain around the, the thinking, the compassionate thoughts, because the brain is like, oh, hang on, this is all new. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like this you know hang on, yeah. we want to see, hang on this is what we know and they say so they try you know the brain it's like oh it's been conditioned so it yeah goes right now hang on guys you know not feeling safe with this new stuff right so I, I might draw you back into feeling <laughs> into thinking and feeling in this in this way um and so the the biggest struggle is in in helping the brain and the body understand that this new compassionate way of being with yourself and accepting yourself and being aware and nurturing, and 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 not sitting with shame, is is more safe. Mm. Yeah, and that yeah. that's the work. <laughs> that's the work for sure. And, and I can imagine that that work. I, I won't ever say that it's easy, but mm. I would imagine that the work can be done more easily or at least more consistently when you have support or when you have a tool like therapy that can move you through. I I just also, you know, I can't stop thinking about so many women that don't have the resources available to them um, to do something like therapy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But yet have this strong, strong need to be able to go on this same healing journey what what are some ways that that women that are in those positions can start to do some of this work on their own it's it is a tough one on your own it it is very very tough um it's if you're completely on your own so in the sense that there are there are no obvious tools for you around if you are on your own and you don't have anything that feels like you're connected with a process, yeah. you, then it's one of the one of the, the ways in which to start is is through journaling, for example. You know, lots of people don't mind journaling. Some people, I mean, I have an array of notebooks, um, but and but some people kind of you know feel okay with it, but you know start using prompts if you're not if you're not someone that can just sit and and write so being mm-hmm. when you when you start to become more aware of of the emotions and the things that you've been carrying around and you're able to put those on paper they start to look a bit more rational than irrational you know in the sense of you know that I'm not holding them I'm seeing them mm-hmm. and and you can 
so I'm being very aware then of the when you're aware of the emotions that you're carrying around and you can start saying to yourself, well, it's OK that I'm feeling that. One thing I, I want to be very, very clear with with anybody listening, if you can stop thinking about negative and positive emotions, good or bad emotions, emotions are what they are hmm. and they are. They are usually a fantastic, if not sometimes annoying tool at at helping you to understand what you need. Mm. Um, When you listen to that need and respond to that need, you're meeting yourself with compassion. When you're trying to avoid the emotion, when you're saying, oh, I can't possibly feel that because it's too big. I absolutely get that. I do. I really do. And so starting to, to put... You know, even just one or two words that are down on paper of how you're feeling and you're able to kind of look at those and, and say, it's really, I, I'm really, you know, I'm I'm sad that I'm feeling that way. Mm. You know? And, but what does, what does that feeling mean for me? Mm-hmm. What can I do to meet that need? And talk, almost kind of talk to yourself as though you're, as though you're talking to a child or a young person. Mm-hmm. So you meet then that emotion, that feeling, that self-criticism, that self-judgment coming from a place of talking to yourself as as you would a child or a, or someone that you care about as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You start shifting. When you start doing that, you're then able to start thinking, well, how do I want to speak to myself? How do I want to speak to that part of me too? Because I need to be my own friend. Ah, uh, Yes. I need to be my own parent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. In many cases. Yeah. And so starting out by bringing some awareness just on paper, just on in a journal around the emotions that are around for you, you know, what what those emotions are. Sometimes, you know, go beyond the anger, for example, if you're feeling angry and just kind of think, well, what's behind that anger? Mm-hmm. Is it frustration? Is it disappointment? Is it is it? You know, is it disgust? Is it, you know, is it shame? Is it blame? You know, just go beyond it and start then saying to yourself, instead of criticizing me for having those emotions, what would I say to a child that was having those emotions? Mm. What what assurance, what reassurance, what what comfort would I give a child? And And so if you can answer that, then see yourself as that child and start giving that comfort to you. I think that's fantastic guidance. Thank you. You're welcome. I love that. And so when you come up with the way that you want to talk to yourself, are you writing that down as well? Like, are you literally rewriting your own narrative is the question. You can literally rewrite your own narrative. Yeah, yeah. It's, often, it's often it is often very very good to do that. Is uh, keeping a kind of compassionate diary as well. Is mm. is how have I spoken to myself today? You know, and what are the kind ways in which I can speak to myself now in response to those ways that I've spoken to myself today? Mm, I like that. And so when we do that, we're from um neurological standpoint we are literally rewiring our brain when we start to focus in on the things that we should be saying to ourselves in the way that we do want to talk to ourselves and when we lean into that more is that is that how we rewire our brains yeah, yeah because we're, we're innately wired for, self, for for compassion it's in our mammalian brain so really? we are we are we are wired for that compassion mm-hmm and so the brain will eventually understand it. <laughs> but if you've right. had years and, years and years and years and years and years and years and years of talking to yourself in one way, that's been, you know, productive. I'm, I'm not saying it is productive, but it's, it's, it's helped you survive. Mm-hmm. You've been surviving with it. Then the brain will get a bit confused. You know, it'll on a very simple level, it will, it will get, it will get quite confused and kind of go, Oh, hang on. Like we are not used to this, you know, mm-hmm. um, you want it, you want to change what now, you know? Um, so with it, it has to be practiced. It's a daily, 
It's a daily practice. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still, you know, I mean, what, 20 something years later, I'm still practicing self-compassion because there are the moments when I'm, mm-hmm. you know, especially as an entrepreneur. And I think in, in the entrepreneurial space, in the business and entre- entrepreneurial space, we're not, you know, and I see it that, that there's, there's every opportunity for us to be self-critical and judgmental mm. ourselves. And it's almost yeah, absolutely you know? and and so you know standing in your in your in, a, in an empowered way with with compassion towards yourself is is almost counterintuitive to mm-hmm. that that structure um but it's okay to start breaking the mold hmm. yeah so you rewire, you're rewiring the brain, you're rewiring the emotional as well, because, you know, if you've been living your life thinking that, you know, as long, you know, that, that bad emotion, there's bad emotions and yeah. emotions. Well, I think we've all done that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I'm feeling bad and, oh, I should just be great, grateful and feeling, and, yeah. and feel positive. Yeah. That's denying actually what mm. you need. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's funny you bring up the entrepreneurial space, you know, Shelby and I are both in, you know, very demanding corporate positions, high power positions. And as I stop and think about it, you know, obviously there's a lot of, of male dominated behaviors and, and situations and people around us. And it, it almost, it's almost like constantly revisiting your childhood trauma mm-hmm. and having to work through those things. I mean, there's so many things that are said and that are done in, you know, this, I won't call it patriarchal society, but I think, you know what I'm saying yeah. um, in, in this type of high pressure corporate power struggle mm-hmm. that, um, sometimes makes you feel like all the work that you've done and healing yourself is for not because you're having to face the same it. battle every yeah. single day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and it is, I mean, I, I, I was in that kind of, kind of environment and that's what led me to burnout. And I want, right. I want you to think about burnout as compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, passion fatigue. You no longer have. You haven't got the space to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. And and so you know, once you once you start to, I mean, I I I did a very I I did a massive thing, which I I I left my job and I moved to Greece. Wow! <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> I might awesome. do that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the blueprint I would like. Thank you. That's the blueprint. Yeah, <laughs> I was in a ve- I was I was in a very fortunate position that my husband actually works internationally. So so as long as he's got an airport, he and and I'm I work internationally as long as I've got a laptop. Yeah. Um, and so so we just we just you know decided um, there was one day when we were out walking. I love walking. I've, uh, you know, walking is a real is is my is my compassion to me is part mm-hmm. of my compassion to me um and we were sat eating our little picnic and we had our chocolate labrador with us and i started laughing and he t- and he said to me and he said i can't remember the, f- the last time you laughed mm. oh went, oh something has to change you know and we just sat there and we redesigned our life and we said oh. we can't we can't do this we can't be and i you know the the structure that i was in which interestingly enough was a mental health structure where mm-hmm. there was lots of lots of compassion going outwards, lots of empathy going outwards, but actually within the structure, within the within the the business model, there there wasn't. There was no there was no warmth and compassion to Yeah. Right. And I was a manager in that system. So it's kind yeah. of Yeah. Yeah. Um and so I I yeah, we sold everything and and moved to moved to Greece. That's um, remarkable. And had I not been able to do that, I would have said to myself, okay, what's, what do I need to do with my life that's actually aligned with my values and, yeah. and the handrails I want in life? And yeah. that's, that's also connect with your values at every opportunity that you can, because they are the handrails that will guide you across the rickety bridge that is life. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Well, and I love that you felt so empowered to be able to do that because I would love to do that. And I, I can just imagine our listener out there thinking, well, that's well and good that she was able to do that. But, (laughs) you know, I think we still have those limiting beliefs. Maybe those are stemmed from trauma that stop us from doing that. What did it take? for you or for how do you guide your clients to get beyond those limiting beliefs? And really we've talked about what is the blueprint of our past, but how do we build the blueprint for our future? You start to understand and become aware of the values that you hold for yourself Mm -hmm. and the value that you give yourself. Once you're able to do that from a place of safety rather than a place of survival, you are able to begin to understand who you want in your life, how you want your life to be structured if you like if you want a structure to it I have a structure in terms of clients but the rest of the time I'm very impulsive and fluid Um, that's the way that I live my life and and I and my husband does it as well and we're, we're cool with that but really really get to grips with what are my top 10 values what and and your own not anybody else's but understand who you are also without the labels of mom, without the labels of business owner, without the labels of manager, therapist, you know, whatever, whatever labels, you know, the good, the bad and everything in between labels, you know, and who are you? How would you describe yourself? Look at mm. your strengths. Look at the, look at your strengths. They're there. They're amazing. You don't want them to be constricted and confined other people will tell you, oh, no, that's a strength. We don't like it here. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, you know, when you're able to def- to understand your strengths, look at the things that that make you you, you know, there's a wonderful person in there. Absolutely. <laughs> and so look at the, look at what makes you you. Yes. OK, the, the labels of mom and everything else, but then strip it, strip it out slightly. And who yeah. am I? Well, I'm kind. Yeah. I'm warm and I'm, I'm empathic, I'm adventurous, I'm curious, I'm playful, you know, I'm funny, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit quirky, a little bit weird, um, and, and, I ju- and I enjoy being out in nature, you know. That's mm-hmm. how I describe me, without any of the therapy stuff, without any of being mm-hmm. the wife, and dog mum and everything else. Right. <laughs> when I sit with me, I enjoy my own company. Yeah, I'm, I I'm, like that. Yeah, so that when you when when you are able to to do that and start understanding who you are without all of the stuff, and also understand your values, mm-hmm. what is important to you, and then you create you have an inner circle. Then think of about yourself as a gravitational pull. You're a, you're a planet with a gravitational pull. When you know mm. what your values are, you have a gravitational pull of people in your inner circle that that meet that yes yeah mm-hmm. and you can have another circle which is a slightly less gravitational pull of people that you know they're not quite in your inner circle but they're they're they're, they're, they're okay they're, they're nice and it goes further back and you can you can blend it out a bit and then of course there's the black hole where there's people right. that exactly. want to stay away exactly. from those people <laughs> yeah like, they're good in there they're good in there we're yeah. okay think about yourself as this you have a gravitational mm-hmm. pull that's that's based on who you are your values how you see yourself how you bring that compassion to yourself in the heal in in your healing and recovery and and the, then this this life then that you're creating you're creating these mm-hmm. relationships that you're creating that are that then are shored up by the boundaries that you've created from your values and who you are I love that. And you start to attract that. more yeah. and more and more of that into That's your life, those people into that. your life, and you can live that yeah. life mm-hmm. that you create fully. Yeah. Be yeah. the light to the moths that you want in your life. Yeah. Oh, amen to that. That's a, that's a t-shirt, honey. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Helen, it's been so lovely to chat with you. I know that you you briefly mentioned a free tool. We would love to make that available to our listener if you're open to sharing how they can access that it's uh, it's actually a 7 day guide to beginning your to beginning beginning to unlock the trauma healing power within you of mm. self compassion mm. and um, so people can access access that um, at my website um, 
which is helenbferguson.com and it's forward slash free seven days of um, of self-compassion and that's how oh, people can... fantastic thank you for that you're yes. more than welcome you're more than welcome the the i will say i mean it's it's a new um it's a new gift actually that i created and it's taken me quite a few months to create it because it's a daily download it's a daily audio meditation on each step of bringing self-compassion into your life and and i had a i had a reply from somebody today who's like in day three and they were like you know today Helen I got a lump in my throat but I I kind of you know I got it and I just want to say thank you in person because we you know we're on the other side of the world but I just want to thank you for creating this because it's just you know something that's that's helping me think differently about myself and that's that's what I did it for you know my my my, um my design not my designer my tech person said this this should be a paid product and I was like no because there's too many people out there that don't have a me Mm -hmm. (laughs) that don't know where to start and and maybe they're not able to feel ready to to be with someone like me right now but if I can give them something that says here you go try Mm. this for you then that's my work done. <laughs> ah, I love that. Thank you I so, do, yeah. so much for that tool. You're yeah. Thank you so much for being here as well today, Helen. We've just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. It's been, it's been great. Actually, I've loved it. Yeah. It's been a, you know, a, if I've spoken too much, you know, and I'm very, uh, very pleased that my dogs have managed to stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> they, they normally start barking in the background or something. So yeah, I have the same yeah. problem. That's why I'm like sitting in my closet. I've got kids home today, dogs, the whole spectrum. I was doing a meditation this morning and I was like five minutes in with my, I have a, 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 a community and I was with the ladies and I was literally five minutes into this meditation and and Leo who's the big dog he's lying on the the sofa behind me yeah I can see him (laughs) Um, I love it he just started barking and I was like ladies I'm gonna stop and put him outside and 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 I came back and I was like I'm so sorry (laughs) I love it life it's life you know yeah for sure roll with the punches of it absolutely I have had a great a great time on this podcast thank you so so much ladies it's been fabulous thank you too we appreciate you Helen this episode Shelby how about you yes it was so nice just hearing all of Helen's wisdom for sure absolutely so the number one thing for me that I took away is understanding that childhood trauma actually lives in your body at a cellular level and that so often that is what is driving chronic fatigue illness even mental health challenges that so many of us are facing these days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And really, honestly, the only way to heal those traumas that we're physically feeling in our body is to rewire our brains. And I love the fact that she says that you don't have to go back and deconstruct Mm. or relive those past traumas. Amen. It's just really about focusing on rewiring your brain for the future. Absolutely. And, you know, ladies, you're not responsible for what happened to you. We'll say this again. You are not responsible for what happened to you. And you no longer need to hold that in your body as something that you own or something that you are responsible for. Yes. I need to say that one to myself. Yeah. This Every is day. So true. Every day. Every day. Every day. Ooh. And the other takeaway that really resonated with me was that this concept of shame mm. underpins all childhood trauma. And we can rewire our brains by taking a closer look and understanding our inner layers and then shifting the shame into self-compassion and kindness. 100%. Because self-compassion is something that we deserve. I deserve it. You deserve it, Shelby. Hell yes. 
Ladies out there, our listener out there, you deserve self-compassion. And it is a holistic acceptance of yourself and of all of your parts, the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, the pretty ones, the fat ones, the mean ones, the cruel ones, the happy ones, every single part of you, whether you like that part of you or not, it is a piece of you and you, my love, are beautiful. You are perfectly imperfect. Yes. And you have got to accept every piece of who you are because damn it, that is the thing that has brought you to where you are today and is worthy of your compassion. Yes. And I love the last quote that I really want to just dwell on for a moment is the importance of connecting with your values at all times because it's those values that I love the way that Helen said it. She said they are the handrails that will guide you across the rickety bridge of life. They're your touch points, ladies. And, you know, again, healing and self-compassion is a journey. It's not a destination. So use those values along the way as guides to the direction that you need to go in life and they will protect you and keep you safe. And we love you every day, every week. Ladies, we love you and we're so happy to be on this journey with you. And be kind to yourself this week. Give yourself the compassion that you deserve and know that Shelby and I are working on doing the very same thing on this end of the microphone. And together we will get there as we journey to whatever our individual theirs are. It's a step at a time. Um, And once we get there, we'll keep getting there because the journey doesn't end. Absolutely. (laughs) There's always more work to do. That's right. And so we cannot wait until we're able to get back together again and you join us next week and meet up in the middle. Love you, ladies. Love you, ladies.